Heidi and Nick Yelland were beyond happy and excited to welcome their first beautiful baby boy into the world on the 14th of February 2000. But the plan to start family life with their newborn Tom soon changed dramatically when he developed serious heart issues and devastatingly just 10 days later they lost him. After the initial shock and despair and throughout the thickness of their grief, Heidi and Nick drew on their own resilience as well as amazing friends, family and community for support to find some hope and gratitude. They have since gone on to have three more happy, healthy children and two decades after losing Tom, Heidi and a small team compiled a book of letters from mothers who have also gone through the heartbreaking loss of babies. All with the intention of comforting bereaved parents, offering them hope in their darkest times. What's even more special about this episode is it's being launched today on Tom's 21st birthday. I am so honoured and grateful to have sat with Heidi and I hope that you take some comfort in the words that she speaks. Hi Heidi. Hi Mandy, how are you going? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for um, joining me today um, in what I believe will be a very, very special episode for people who are listening um yeah I've known you for a very very long time and even have been through um some of those hard times briefly with you in the earlier years so I would love you to share with us all the story of your beautiful Tom well um it's a long time ago now but 20 or 21 years ago we um were expecting and we're in come February I remember um, going into hospital at Narracott Hospital and waving hello to Mandy and Lee as they were nursing their little baby Jack and I was in labour with Tom so um, he was born really healthy eight pound eight um, you know just a really perfect little boy and he just he completed us. He was a, you know, magnificent little boy. So, um, and he was quite normal in those first few days. He had a, you know, a few troubles feed. Well, he didn't have troubles feeding, but he had a few blood sugar level issues, which we never really got to the bottom of. And, uh, but we ended up taking him home and um, he, I had a, visit from the community midwife who came around and said that he didn't look like he was um, okay. So she thought he looked a little bit pale. He had, um, and I mentioned to her that his feet were starting to get a bit cold and it was February, so that didn't make sense. I was putting socks and booties on him, trying to keep him warm, and she thought enough to think, something's not quite right here. So she tried, She made an appointment um, with the paediatrician, but he was on holidays. So I, she made an appointment for him for March. So that was like a full month away. Um, and she left and, and I was concerned enough that night when Nick got home from work just to say, look, something's not quite right. He's you know, he's breathing quite quickly and his, you know, little hands and feet were getting cold, you know, cooler. Mm. Um, so Nick said, I think we should take him to the hospital. And I w- didn't think that anything could possibly 
be that wrong, you know. And so, but I trusted him and, and went up to the hospital and there were, um, there was a, the nurse up there looked at him in his little capsule and said, look, he looks perfectly fine. You know, would you like to call out the duty doctor? And I just, I probably thought that was, you know, maybe being a bit, um, overreactive maybe mm-hmm. but then or, or she said you can take the chances at the clinic you know the next day and we knew that the the duty doctor um was a lovely doctor and and so we took our chances and called him out um and it was six o'clock at night so and he took one look at him and he just thought he couldn't pick anything at the time but I could see the cogs turning in his head and he knew that something wasn't quite right, so he admitted him overnight. So I stayed in hospital with Tom overnight and mm-hmm. during the night he just, you know, just started weakening um, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he would feed. Normally, you know, he would feed for longer and then, he was, you know, his feeds were shorter mm-hmm. and needed feeding over shorter t- periods of time and then he was getting quite cool um so I just held him all night and in the morning um the doctor came in and said I'm going to make an appointment to see the pediatrician in Adelaide um you can drive him up there mm-hmm. so Nick and I were uh, getting ready and he took I had Tom on my shoulder and he just gasped for breath and I knew something wasn't right. So I quickly ran him into the nurse's station and he went into heart failure. Mm. So the doctors, you know, it was a really busy time at the hospital, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Just take your time. Um, it was a really time. busy time of the morning you know all the doctors were there doing their rounds and and so he they were trying to resuscitate him so they I think at one point there were four doctors and they'd called the flying doctors and that had left Adelaide um and I was getting ready I was just thinking I'd be on a plane to Adelaide and it would all be you know he'd be fixed up and it'd all be okay Mm. and it wasn't unbelievable I can't even imagine how that must have felt yeah so much shock yeah Mm. and it just you know it probably didn't hit me then and there but it was just something I'd never considered and never planned for I didn't know anyone who'd lost babies Mm. um Mm. It was just not even in my realms of possibilities mm. Mm. and there it was and it felt really unfair. Mm. Mm. Yeah, extremely unfair. Um, yeah, so then we had to make, you know, the phone calls and tell family and thankfully, you know, that next couple of hours was a real blur we just went straight home there were no cuddle cots or anything 
back then we had, you know, probably an hour with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took him um, and we went home. And, do you know, like country towns are amazing things and there were no mobile phones back then. As you, well, there might have been, but I mm. didn't have one and they weren't mm. a big thing. But mm. somehow um, our close friends knocked on the door and mm. just, mm. you know, they were there for us. Mm. You're doing very, very well. It's, um, yeah, again, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine even right now how it must feel recalling. And I'm sure that you there wouldn't be a day go by where you don't feel him and think of him yet to speak about it so openly like this is a whole nother level it's I guess you know yeah every day we you know we do think of him um you probably you know on a day-to-day basis you choose not to think of those Mm -hmm, sad details um Mm -hmm. it it was a really humbling difficult difficult time there were um you know I was a teacher at the school so I had 365 children that were you know busting to see what Mm. Mrs Yelland had and Mm. and then you know to I can't even think how those teachers managed to um tell those children because they would have they would have been heartbroken too. Mm, mm, of course. Um, yeah. Of course. And just, you know, the ripple effect in a, in a small community and, and what we found out later was how people, how people found out and then were just mm. there for us and, and, you know, in a, in a, the Bush Telegraph was really worked in its favour for us, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like just before we got on. I I've got your beautiful book, Empty Arms, um, here with me, and um, I was just looking or reading through your story of Tom again, and there's so many points that um, I've read it a few times now, but um, more stood out to me again today. Just of obviously the numbness and the shock but also the gratitude and, and um, uh, the fact that, as you said, long before gratitude was a thing, you were naturally doing it because it was obviously, would you have said it was a um, survival mechanism at that point? Yeah, for sure. Intuitively you knew to do that. Yeah. Can you explain that more? Um, I, just, I just knew that after probably, you know, a number of, days and weeks of feeling really, really lousy, mm-hmm. that that why me attitude wasn't serving me at all mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't serving us. Uh, we, we were lucky that we grieved in different but similar ways and when I was strong, Nick was weak and when Nick was strong, I was weak and we helped each other. But that narrative of, thank goodness we had 10 days with him, how lucky that 
you know, how lucky are we that we got to even get pregnant? How lucky are we that we had this baby who was full term and we could bring him home and I could feed him and we could cuddle him and, you know, it mm-hmm. it felt better just to be grateful for what we had than to dwell on what we didn't have. Um, and it, it felt more forward thinking because it gave us hope and it gave me hope that we could have another baby because, you know, if I could justify to myself that, well, I got pregnant once, maybe I can get pregnant mm. again. You know, that, that part of mm-hmm. me is okay um, and we found out later it was it's not, um, it was hyperplastic left heart syndrome and it was um, Mm -hmm. a random genetic error which they have no reason for. One day they might. Um, Mm -hmm. If we had have had him in the city, then he probably would have been diagnosed in utero Mm -hmm. and we would have gone to Melbourne for a, um, it was a fairly experimental procedure at the time. It was called the Norwood procedure Mm -hmm. where they had, he would have had to have had open heart surgery at I think it was three uh, oh, three days, three months and three years, um, uh-huh. which I think they've refined quite a lot. And, the you know, the outlook for children with hyperplastic left heart mm-hmm. syndrome now is is much, much better than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't really dwell on that because that was – that couldn't be changed. You know, we, we mm-hmm. weren't to know. It was not as if we'd made a choice to have our scan in Naracourt where the equipment wasn't as high tech. We didn't know to go to Adelaide. Um, everyone mm-hmm. that we knew had their scans in Naracourt and we had no reason. I had mm-hmm. a healthy pregnancy. I had no reason to go to Adelaide. So there was no point in dwelling on mm-hmm. um so, you know, what might have been, um, I did in the early days and probably for, for some time after dwell, you know, think, what if I, what did I do wrong? What did I, what if I, you know, avoided smelling those paint fumes at a particular time? Did I eat anything wrong? I knew I didn't have anything to drink and I knew that I was, you know, clear from, soft cheeses and ham and all of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. all all I could in the power of what I knew um but you mm-hmm. still try and look for answers well that's probably my nature is to mm-hmm. seek the answers but there was none to be found so the gratitude mm-hmm. and there was, do you know what in that time it was so difficult but there was so much to be grateful for our community were just amazing I feel so lucky that um you know I could be a part of such a supportive community we had really amazing friends that were there at any time of the day or night um people that we knew acquaintances you know wrote me beautiful letters um sent cards we had so many flowers um and and some even staggered the flowers because they knew that we would get loads of flowers right from, you know, right from where go. And then so some people sent them six weeks later when they knew that the, all the others had gone. Um, one person even waited till his first birthday and sent me flowers then. So that was mm. just, you know, really kind and thoughtful mm. gestures 
a lot of food, um, mm-hmm. you know, just really pe- people that I knew would, if I asked them to, they would have sat with me the whole day long, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people I didn't know very well and some people I knew really well and um, overwhelmingly we were um, just really spoiled with support. Mm, that helped we are so lucky to be in the country some people would say being in the country can be um have its negatives but i'd have to say it has a lot more positives than negatives we're so so blessed aren't we to have connected support and um i don't think some people may not be able to understand it but for sure and and being a part of a school community as well was really special you know i had all of those kids and all of the teachers mm-hmm. and the parents and that, you know, the wider network that mm-hmm. sort of comes around a school, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were, mm-hmm. they were incredible. So I was very mm-hmm. grateful. Mm. Um, in, in your book you also mentioned that at one point you had beautiful, well-meaning people suggest to go back to work um, so you weren't home alone and I totally get there um, the meaning behind that but you mentioned that it was just extremely hard and you in hindsight probably would have done it differently do you do you feel that way still yeah uh, what what would you say to someone grieving Absolutely. on that um, note that it's so personal for everyone um, for me I was going back into a classroom with 30 kids and they were someone else's kids mm. when I've, I've wanted to be at home with my own baby. You know, the, mm. being a teacher in a classroom, there's no respite. There's no, I'll just have a quiet moment at my desk. Um, you're mm-hmm. on from the minute you get there to the minute you leave. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was too much. It was too much for me um, at the time. Mm. And I was only young, like I was 25, um, and I, w- mm. I probably listened to people more than I would now. You know, now I would have mm-hmm. a much clearer picture about what's good for me and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would mm-hmm. say to anyone mm-hmm. who's grieving or dealing with any sort of trauma, really um, l- listen to people but make up your own mind. It really, mm-hmm. weigh it up, really weigh it up. You know, I I think I even, Mm. I might have even gone back part time, but it was still, you know, that I had every, every um, way to be successful at school. I had a really supportive staff, a really supportive leadership, um, a beautiful class of kids, Mm. but it wasn't, Mm. it was still too much for me at the time. You know, that was probably Mm. two, uh, six weeks after. Uh, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I probably needed more time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you say to someone who, and and not necessarily women, but possibly even even more so men, um, that might say something like, "I have no idea how I should feel. I don't even know um, what I'm feeling." What would you say to someone who who speaks in um, that way? I think. Everyone's journey is different again. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would try and walk alongside them and listen mm-hmm. and wait. Mm-hmm. Just just be there because some people won't won't know how they feel until 
they can process it. You know, it's, there's a lot of shock when you deal with a trauma that's so unexpected and this happens to people every day and it's not only, you know, infant loss, it's the loss of a child, mm. it's the loss of a sibling, it's the loss mm. of a parent, it's, you know, a mm. horrific accident. It's, you know, that, that shock that comes with mm. a trauma, um, you know, it's mm. really hard to decipher how you feel. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. and some people can sort of narrate it better than others and talk about it. Some people are, more, you know, more, more talky than others. Mm-hmm. And I mm. was really wanting to talk about Tom. I, and my friends mm. listened a lot because I, you know, I just mm. wanted, I felt as though talking about him made him live inside me for longer you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. are different so men can be different women can be different they might process things in different ways mm-hmm. but i would say that to anyone that's experiencing loss try and find someone to talk to see if you can process it get out walking mm-hmm. walking's one of the mm-hmm. best things ever mm-hmm. and if someone would was to say to you um i uh, I know what you're saying, but I just can't bring myself to get out there uh, for whatever the reason may be. What's your, what would you suggest in that um, case? I would say try and talk to someone who's a little bit um, neutral, like if they, you know, to go and seek yeah. some help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try mm-hmm. write it down. I, I feel like any sort of... Mm-hmm trauma needs to be expressed and it doesn't have to be through talking it can be through writing through art through um mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. dance whatever so you know people need to find yeah. their own yeah. their own ways unfortunately for a lot of men they just go straight back into that work mode and mm-hmm. bury it a bit so um uh yeah I would say try and try and get those feelings out somehow because I feel like if you Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. express them then you can process them faster and then you can move through Mm -hmm. it faster like you move through that deep grief faster Mm -hmm. by you know by getting Mm -hmm. it out it's not going to be an it's not going to be a quick process no matter what you do but if you have those opportunities to express how you're feeling and talk about it and write about it or whatever, um, I feel like you can probably process your feelings a lot faster and, and you can move to that that time of love and acceptance, which takes a long time, mm-hmm. particularly, um, yeah, particularly losing a child, I think, because it's just not, the order of things it's so hard to comprehend because it's not the order in the introduction I wrote about my great-grandmother who um, we were burying my grandmother from um, she died of breast cancer at 67 and my great-grandmother was this very sprightly woman who was marching up the hill of the cemetery with this bunch of frangipanis in her hand saying it's just not right. You shouldn't have to bury your children mm. and you just shouldn't. You just shouldn't, but no. people do every day. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's mm. a long process. 
and and as you said, people do every day. And I know that it's human nature to try and minimalize the way we feel because there's always somebody worse off, supposedly. But what do you say to someone who is trying to minimalize it? You know, um, what? Yeah, what's your suggestion um, there? Do you know, I think I think we're all entitled to feel grief. We don't have to compare it to anyone else. You know, we we it's not a competition of who's lost the most. It's, mm-hmm. um, I remember talking to um, someone after after Tom died, and and she was saying how her seventeen year old seventeen year old brother was killed in a motorbike accident. And I said, oh, that must be so hard mm-hmm. because you've got all these memories um, attached to that and times together and that sort of thing. And you knew him and his personality. And she said, it's no different. You know, a loss is a loss. Every loss is the same. And, and for a baby or for, you know, a baby who's miscarried or baby stillborn or whatever, you know, they've lived Mm -hmm. or they haven't, you know, lived, they, you're grieving their future. Mm -hmm. You're grieving all of the lost birthdays and Christmases and, you know, bike rides and um 18th and 21st and that sort of thing so you you, you're grieving Mm -hmm. the loss of their future every loss is a loss don't minimize your loss um stand in Mm -hmm. it feel it Mm -hmm. let it go through you process it um talk to people Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um and also from another perspective um because we as you said at the start we did have Mm. Jack, uh, so Tom and Jack would have been, well, they'll probably be mates if um, Tom was still here with us. Um, but I remember feeling an extreme, especially being a first-time mum, an extreme over, an extremely overwhelming sense of guilt. And, um, you know, it took me a while to move through that and I was trying to find my feet with being a new mum as well. What, what um, would you say to someone going through that, not knowing how they should feel for their friend or, yeah. you know, well, their, their I, can I just say that you didn't need to feel guilty. You know, there's not at all, mm. not at all. And if I'd known that, I'd, um, yeah, I would have assured you there was no, and I, but I completely understand mm. why. Um, and I've heard stories about people that were pregnant at the same, yeah, same sort of thing, pregnant, they'd have cousins, be cousins and, and one didn't, one mm-hmm. lost their baby and one could live. But I, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, um, you just can't mm-hmm. change it, can you? And all you can do is offer love mm-hmm. and support to the person that has um, lost their baby. And, you know, I loved watching Jack grow up. I really did. Mm-hmm. You, know, I'd, mm-hmm. you know, I'd see those little... I love seeing those kids. Mm. I remember when Jack was in hospital um, having his first operation uh, for his removal of a tumour at nine and you told me that you had basically asked Tom (laughs) to watch over him and although to some that may not believe, um, to me that was a huge thing just to know that we had um, support in other ways. So can you please... um, I know faith has been a big part of your life and I know it's not for everyone, um, but can you please tell, tell us how much 
having faith in whatever that may be has helped you yeah, get through sure. these um, years. I 100% believe that there's no, that, you know, they don't die and it's gone. You know, I, I feel like he's over there, wherever that may be, with the other people that we love mm. and he's looking after mm. us and, and keeping an eye on us and, and sending us little messages um, this might be a bit out there for your audience, but it's there was a time, you know, we'd, we'd get little messages and little things would happen, but there was one time where I just mm. kept on finding all these five-cent pieces in random places. It was bizarre. And then one day, it was over the course of a day or two, and then I thought, and, you know, I just I would absentmindedly pick them up and put them in a little container and then I just thought, hang on, this is really weird. There are five cent pieces everywhere. And so I started to notice surfaces and I'd just been to the washing machine and it was clear and I went and did a few jobs, went back there and there was a five cent piece there. And then I was like, oh, hang on. Hello, Tom. I know it's your fifth <laughs> birthday coming up. You don't have to remind me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. you know, and I've still got that little container <laughs> yeah, full of five cent pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But, though, oh, you yeah. know, those. Mm. <laughs> so you think, you think you've dealt with things and you think you've moved through those times of grief and then you have the first birthday and the first mm. Christmas. And then, you know, they turn five and they're meant to go to school with all their mates. And then they turn 10 because it's, you know, double digits is a big, time, big deal for a kid. And then they turn 18 or finish school or, you know, the, all those milestones bring up the mm. fact that they're not with you and you can't share it with them. Um, so, it, I mean, mm -hmm. grief of a child is, is lifelong. You come to some level of love and acceptance, but it is, it's lifelong and it does change you. Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you, um, you guys? Uh, I know. You, again, you, we've talked before, obviously, but um, in the in your book, you talk about every birthday you have a cake and and um, let helium balloons up into the sky. And do you still do that now, even though your three are getting yeah. older? Yeah, your beautiful three kids um, are getting older. Well, we found still out keep doing that's that. really yeah. environmentally irresponsible. <laughs> so. Okay, of course it is. <laughs> okay, so what do what what's the more environmentally friendly uh, thing that you well, choose to do these days? And we sing happy birthday. And when the kids yeah. were little, they yeah, would often gorgeous. set a mm -hmm. place at the mm -hmm. table for him. Um, yeah, uh, yeah and they, you know, mm -hmm. they would always know that that he was there to, you know, back them up. And if they had, mm. you know, a big mm. test or a tricky situation I know mm. that they talk to him and and say can you just you know give me a bit of help mm. here <laughs> just yeah <laughs> yeah and has it so well, far has it done helped. okay they're, <laughs> I'm they're, sure it they're has doing all right so oh, I know um, they have. yeah no it's yeah. Uh, yeah probably as they get a little older we you know they verbalize it less particularly the boys um mm -hmm. But yeah, they, he's mm -hmm. he's always been a part of our 
conversation and our narrative and you know he's a part of our family and um and you know on our birthday cards we'll always include the animals and all the kids and tom yeah so he's to to each other not to you know that friends but um yeah of course yeah so he's you know the the i think the kids feel a bit lucky that they've got a bit of extra help on the other side in lots of ways but they, I mean they've grieved too in in mm. different ways and and have felt as though it's not that fair to you know they would have loved to have mm. been a part of his life but then they also contemplate and think mm, what if we have been here if he was you know that sort of thing particularly Annabelle. Mm. 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 Mm-hmm, of course, he lives. He certainly lives through yes. Annabelle and in her cricket, doesn't he? She's a firecracker, that <laughs> one. <laughs> she sure is. Um, and so, yeah, I guess. Well, first of all, can you please just give us a little bit more information on your book? I know that this podcast wasn't specifically about your book, but of course, you know how helpful it's been and will be. Well, um, so what can firstly, you say about that? I just always wanted to do something that helped and I didn't exactly know what that was. And, and I suppose I had so many years of um, being a busy mum and working and being a part of the community and being on committees and whatever else, that my brain was always so full of everything else mm-hmm. that I couldn't find the clarity to work out exactly what I wanted to do that was going to be really meaningful um, and a nice legacy Mm -hmm. for Tom. Um, And then I was lucky Mm. enough to go to Cambodia with Emma, your sister, and um, so Charlie and I went and and Mm -hmm. had this amazing time and, and just that disconnection from everything at home gave me the space and the clarity to really think deeply about what I wanted to do and some conversations with Emma sort of helped that as well. Um, and mm-hmm. I came back and I had a couple mm-hmm. of different ideas and then I thought, no, I think, you know, what helped me the most was those beautiful letters that I got from people who had lost their babies. Um, and while their letters were really sad, mm-hmm. you know, some had had multiple miscarriages, some you know, had had a um, stillborn baby or um, lived for a little while and then died, um, always at the end mm-hmm. I knew that they were okay because I knew that they were, you know, they'd had more children or they, you know, they were happy and functioning because mm-hmm. in those early stages you just don't think you can function normally again. You, you cannot see that any anything will be normal again. So it sort of gave me hope that Mm. they got through the other end of that um, devastating time and it might have, you know, it was difficult for them but they made it. Uh, So that's how the concept came about. I um, I put a call out and to see if anyone else would be willing to write a letter because I knew that I could write a letter Um, and I have made a practice of writing letters to people that I've um, heard that have lost babies um, over the years. Uh, Yeah, so I put a call out and and 16 women, 15 women, um, including Mm -hmm. myself, um, Mm -hmm. sent their letters in Mm -hmm. over the course of 
last year. So it was they're amazing, amazing letters. And these women are so brave. Like my our experience was twenty years ago, mm-hmm. but ongoing. Um, and I've we've had letters from mm-hmm. um, beautiful Lynn, whose baby would be over forty now. So you know, that long ago to um, Jenny who sent in a letter about Madison who she'd only lost her the year before. So, you know, we've got this really broad range of um, experiences and uh, how could you say it? Yes. Just a broad range of of grief you know that grief timeline we've got that really raw Mm -hmm. heartbreaking stage Mm -hmm. um, right through to Mm. lovely Lynn who had Kirsty who you know it's it's Mm. sad but reflects with love and acceptance so Mm -hmm. yeah it's um yeah the book just turned out better than I expected I love it it's just the right size it's it's Mm -hmm. bite size so people because when you've dealt with a trauma you can only Mm -hmm. you know your concentration span goes you don't realize at the time but um, it does you can short things are good Mm -hmm. so each letter is Mm -hmm. you know varying in length but um enough to mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. for people just to pick it up and read a letter and they might so I had um so I would re read and reread those letters that I had and that's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. you know will people will do now is they'll go back to the ones that resonate with to them and their experience and as mm-hmm. they move further along down their grief journey they'll might pick it up and another one will resonate that's a bit further you know along that path as well so yeah Mm -hmm. and how can how can um someone get their hands on one of your yeah there's um yes loads uh well do you um, have any left we're printing on demand Mm -hmm. um but i've you can order it through okay uh, booktopia or any of those online places Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but you can also uh, order it through the Empty Arms Foundation website, which is probably a better way to go because mm. um, we make more profit from that and all the profits are going into donating yes. books to um, hospitals to give out to grieving parents. So, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So you've got Facebook the website and, and you're also as well. on Facebook yeah. as well. Yeah. If... Uh-huh, uh-huh beautiful Mm. so that's um there's a few different options for people to follow you and i'm sure they will um those of you uh, those who don't already know of you or your story um well thank you so much heidi for joining me do you have anything else that you would like to leave people with um whether that be even the most basic of things that they could do? Um, I would say to anyone going through grief of any kind, um, be kind on yourself. You know, really tune into what's good for you and Mm. what's not. Try and stay healthy, you know, eat healthy-ish food and drink lots of water and and walk, um, 
it helps you process things find some people to talk to if you can um and you know when you're at that point see if you can reach for that little bit of gratitude um in a really awful situation it mm -hmm. can um it, it doesn't change anything but it does change how you feel about that situation um so yeah but just number one be kind mm -hmm. on yourself mm. yeah and on that note being kind to yourself what do you what might you do for yourself even after we've talked um you know it's a beautiful sunny day is there anything that you plan to do for yourself today after mm. we've had this well i'm pretty, in pretty depth chat? good at self-care these days <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. uh, in high, like through experience and, and accumulation um, so of knowledge I, over the years. Um, it is a so beautiful what... day and I might go and sit at the beach for a little bit. I might go for a walk. Mm. Yeah, it's um, yeah, beautiful. chat to my family, yeah. but yeah, I need, probably need to get back to work as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the things that need doing. Um, please give my love and to yours too, um, please. all, all yeah. of your beautiful family. Nick and the three kids, thank you. And thank you again for your, not just your time, but your, um, yeah, op your openness. Thanks, and Mandy. I really appreciate it. your heart today. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Heidi. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In the Heart of a Country Girl. This series will be a more relaxed version of the previous In the Head of a Country Bloke. In other words, I'll be putting them out randomly. So if you'd like to listen to more of these, you can find them on various platforms such as Spotify, Anchor or Apple Podcasts. For coaching services, please inbox me on Instagram or Facebook under Mandy Kerno Coaching or you can email me at mandy at mandykernocoach.com. Thank you again and I hope you enjoy.